What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope that you are doing well. Hope you've had a great week so far as we are in the middle of the week. They call it hump day. And I hope that you will get the energy that you need to overcome anything you need to overcome today. It's a historic day uh, here in the United States as we will inaugurate the 46th president of the United States. That being Joseph R. Biden, of course, and uh, Vice President-elect who will soon become Vice President Kamala Harris. It's going to be a historic day. It's also a historic day because uh, the WWE Hall of Famer, Donald Trump, uh, has officially left office. Uh, Today's his uh, last day or his last few moments have already happened. So um, there's that. Uh, And so with all that said, we're not going to get wildly political. Instead, we'll say thank you for joining us uh, here on The Faction. Whether you join us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, we appreciate it. Or, of course, by way of podcast. Also, a big shout out to everybody who joined us yesterday for our continuation of our review of 2020, where we talked about the speaking out movement. If you missed it, go back and check it out. It was a powerful discussion for sure. So taking a look at what's going on in terms of news and current events with all of our talk on Monday about WrestleMania and that huge announcement, uh, we did not get to talk about a pay-per-view that happened over the weekend, and that was Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Their pay-per-view was significant for a few reasons. First of all, it debuted their new commentary team, the team of Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown, who will be the commentary team going forward in Impact. Josh Matthews has moved into the role of senior producer backstage, so congratulations to him. For those unfamiliar with Matt Stryker, Stryker uh, was a pro wrestler in the WWE. He was also a commentator for a while in WWE. And then, of course, had what I felt like was his best run over in Lucha Underground as one of the voices for Lucha Underground, along with Vampiro. Speaking of Lucha Underground, we've got uh, our look back at Lucha Underground as part of Throwback Thursday continuing tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. So that's one of the historic things that happened at Impact Wrestling. The other big one, of course, being uh, for the first time ever, the AEW World Champion is on an Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. We'll tell you about that very quickly. Quickly looking at highlights and results, Brian Myers, who if you're not familiar is the former Kurt Hawkins. Uh, He defeated Josh Alexander. In a mixed tag match, uh, the team of Decay, that's Rosemary and Crazy Steve, defeated Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K. In a six-man tag, Eric Young, Joe Doring, and Diener defeated Cousin Jake, Rhino, and Tommy Dreamer. We have new knockout tag team champions as the team of Fire and Flava, Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles, defeated Havoc and Nevaeh. So congratulations to them. We saw the debut of Matt Cardona. The former Zack Ryder is now an impact. So if you remember uh, earlier last year, we saw him briefly appear in AEW, though he was not signed. Uh, he appeared there for a few matches. 
But now he is part of Impact Wrestling and he defeated Ace Austin via disqualification. In a triple threat match, Manic retained the X Division Championship against Rohit Raju and Chris Bay. Deanna Perrazzo defeated Taya Valkyrie to retain the Knockouts Championship. The Karate Man defeated Ethan Page. Eddie Edwards defeated Sammy Callahan in Barbed Wire Massacre and in the main event. The team of Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, and the Impact Tag Champions, the Good Brothers, defeated the team of Impact World Champion Rich Swan, Moose, and Chris Sabin. And so this move with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, of course, the Good Brothers appeared on Dynamite for the last two weeks. We've seen that ever popular bullet club hand gesture uh, that says too sweet. And one of the big pieces of news, in case you haven't heard, is that AEW has filed a trademark for the term too sweet. Now, whether or not they'll get that is still unknown. It should be noted that WWE back in 2015 actually filed a trademark for that hand gesture for uh, Too Sweet. The problem, though, was that it was deemed to be too close to the hook'em horn sign for uh, the University of Texas. So as a result, they ultimately ended up dropping their pursuit of that trademark uh, back in 2017. In 2017, Pro Wrestling Tees gave it a shot to get that trademark, and they couldn't do it. So perhaps AEW will be able to do something that both Pro Wrestling Tees and WWE does not do. We'll keep you posted on that. But of course, this whole Bullet Club conversation uh, is really something powerful when you start looking at how AEW, Impact, and New Japan end up being connected with all of this. We've heard the folks from New Japan, particularly uh, the Gorillas of Destiny, very, very vocal about uh, the usage of and the inference to the Bullet Club uh, in AEW. They are not fans of it. They don't like it. Um, but it's certainly creating great business for both Impact and AEW. And speaking of AEW and Impact, uh, last night on their show, who would show up but Private Party and Matt Hardy? So just in case you don't know, Matt Hardy, of course, had an incredible run in Impact Wrestling and a rather brutal departure from Impact Wrestling that saw a lot of battle over the broken Matt Hardy character um, about the, the deletion because, of course, that's really where uh, the cinematic match really began um, and became a thing uh, in the world of pro wrestling. And so he's back uh, this time with Private Party. And uh, it's really interesting to see the things that are happening in this relationship between Impact Wrestling and AEW. Let's also consider, of course, the working relationship between AEW and the NWA. And the big question everybody has is, will there be a working relationship between AEW and New Japan? So, for instance, uh, of course, we've seen previously the AEW World Championship uh, actually appear at Wrestle Kingdom when Chris Jericho battled Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, where if Tanahashi won the match, he would have been given a shot at the AEW Championship, but that did not happen. Um, and of course, right now, the world champion in AEW is Kenny Omega. The IWGP heavyweight champion is Kota Ibushi. They are the golden lovers who have had uh, quite the relationship over the years as a tag team, as friends. And so... 
this is interesting. There is some interesting writing on the wall that uh, if you read the tea leaves, if this happened, uh, some sort of working relationship between AEW and New Japan, it would be epic. And it could be the thing that could really offer some major competition to uh, anything that the WWE is doing. Speaking of WWE, their monster news has everything to do with WrestleMania. As we talked about on Monday, over the weekend they announced WrestleMania and what will be happening for the next three years with WrestleMania. We know now that WrestleMania 37 will take place in the original home of WrestleMania 36, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. We also learned that the following WrestleMania in 2022 will be in Dallas, Texas, uh, returning to the AT&T Stadium. And WrestleMania in 2023 heads back to L.A. Uh, to SoFi Stadium where WrestleMania was supposed to be this year. Okay, so with all the musical cheers that has happened, the bigger piece of news is that WrestleMania right now is slated to welcome fans back the first time fans will return for WWE programming since the pandemic. Here's the interesting piece of this, which it's rare for WWE to actually acknowledge, but WWE is acknowledging that uh, they are looking to learn from the Super Bowl in terms of how to handle fans. So the Super Bowl will be taking place, of course, at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa in February. So just two months before WrestleMania. So they're going to be looking to see how the NFL handles fans. Now, what we've seen from the NFL during, of course, playoff weekend is that limited fans have been allowed to return. Um, and so it is certainly not a, a sellout, but it's not designed to be that in an attempt to keep things safe surrounding the pandemic. So this is very interesting. Um, of course, tickets are not on sale yet. I'm imagining that with there being a limited amount of tickets, they will go fast. But the bigger question is this. Would you feel safe attending WrestleMania 37 this year? Now, again, it's a two-day event, Saturday, April the 10th, Sunday, April the 11th. Would you feel safe being around uh, wrestling fans in an environment like WrestleMania? Now, a couple of updates for you. Things like the Hall of Fame, uh, from what I'm hearing, will still be a virtual situation. So there will not be fans attending the Hall of Fame situation. So that's interesting. It seems like WWE is really trying to be as careful as they can because I think they understand the potential impact and ramifications if this is not done right. So I wonder how many fans you think will be at WrestleMania? Will they allow perhaps 10,000 in that 80,000 seat arena? Will they go bigger for 20,000 and get it at 25% capacity? I don't know. Certainly we'll be looking at it. And I'm intrigued to see if you are interested in heading to WrestleMania and if you'll go when tickets go on sale. Last but not least, in case you have not heard, uh, last night were the Georgia Wrestling History Awards, and I gotta say, I'm really, really proud to be a part of Southern Honor Wrestling, as we really cleaned up on the awards last night, including 
winning for best promotion, winning for best live event for our anniversary show, still here too. Promoter of the year, Gary Lamb. It's his second time winning that. Booker of the year, Dylan Freimeyer. It's his second time winning that. Uh, the wrestler of the year, Joe Black, uh, who also won for match of the year with his uh, dog collar match against William Huckabee. And he also won for promo of the year for his promo uh, against Corey Hobbs leading into still here too. Chip Day won for Technical Wrestler of the Year, which was pretty exciting. Uh, Diana Michelle won for Announcer of the Year, and that's historic on a lot of fronts. Uh, she becomes the first woman to win Announcer of the Year in the history of this awards. And last but certainly not least, yours truly and Brandon Benefield, the commentary team for Southern Honor Wrestling is now the 2020 commentary team of the year. Uh, absolutely excited. Really, really proud. It still feels very surreal uh, that this has happened, but uh, we are excited about this and uh, great things are still on the way. So uh, thank you guys for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And you'll be hearing more about this. And believe it or not, yeah, there is actually a physical award coming. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. So with that said, we're going to get out of here. I hope you guys have an amazing day. Uh, reach out to us by way of social media to share what you think about today's episode. And uh, stay tuned. We've got some amazing things coming your way. Until next time, it's your man Gerard Bonner representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard. Brandon Clack and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we're known as the faction. Have a great day. Salute my people. Here we go. Salute my people.